Awesome. Good morning, Rachel. Thank you for being on the show. I, I've had a few uh, poets on, and I love people who write poetry, so thank you for coming on. No, of course. Thank you so much for having me this morning. I was just uh, scrolling through a little bit about you, but particularly your your new um, collection of poetry at um, is at War with Stars. Is that correct? Yes, yes. It just came out. Um, it's just over a week old now, actually. Oh my gosh! How does that feel putting that out there? Oh, it feels so good. You know, every time you know you talk about getting a collection like that out for. You know, it's been eight months or so that I've been working on it. And, you know, it feels great. There's, of course, anxiety that comes with that, but mostly all good. <laughs> That's fantastic. So what was, give me the uh, the motivation or the, what was, what had you write this collection of poems? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I think a lot of poets have a lot of different inspiration, but mm -hmm. this collection kind of came out of a really important time in my life. Uh, I had just finished my, or I was finishing my master's program in creative writing. Um, I'm also a college professor, so uh, the creating creative writing degree allows me to do that as well. But, um, you know, I was having this kind of immersive art experience with a lot of amazing peers. And at the same time, I had just met the love of my life, who is now my wife, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And so I really just felt like my life had finally aligned in all of the right places. And I felt like I was able to explore other sides of poetry than what maybe some of my readers had been used to. And, you know, it's kind of right place, right time kind of thing. But I was, of course, very inspired by all of it. And that's how this collection came to be. So it took you eight months from when you first started doing it. What were, what was the first uh, poem that you wrote in it? It's the first one in the book. It's called Do You Dare? Um, and that's a poem that I wrote in one of my master's classes um, with one of my amazing professors. He's a poet um, and he, he's quite well known. His name is uh, Tim Early. Um, he's great. And uh, he was a, a big mentor to me, but um, it's a villanelle. So it repeats with kind of like ending couplets. Um, but the poem itself is about really like, do you kind of dare to like go on these journeys of life? You know, because I think a lot of us, think that life happens to us and we have no control mm. over it. Um, but I am of the thinking that if you dive into life head first and kind of take it as it is, you can kind of manipulate its direction. So how have you done that? Give me some examples in your life. Oh, there are quite a few. Um, when I was uh, 22 years old, after I finished college, I moved out to Denver. Um, I kind of like packed my car up. I, you know, mm -hmm. I came out here to visit a friend and, you know, two days later I was like, damn, I'm going to move to Denver. It's a great place to live. Mm -hmm. And I had a job in three days and I moved a week later. Um, and it was, you know, the stars aligned and I was moving to a place that I really didn't know at all, but it all worked out. Uh, and then a few years later I was uh, teaching and I had an opportunity to go and get my master's in education. Um, I had a, a great school that I was working for. They were ready to pay for all of that. You know, I was in this pipeline of, okay, you're going to be a teacher for the rest of your life. And for a long time, I thought that's what I wanted. And I was like, wow, I, I really, 
I have no time to do all of these creative things that I want to do. And so I quit my job, uh, much to the dismay of my parents. And Mm. I started a freelance writing business. And that gave me all the time in the world to work on my creative projects. And that ultimately led to founding a literary magazine here in Denver. Uh, We have 30,000 readers. It's called From Whispers to Roars. Um, But we publish art, fiction, and nonfiction um, from creatives all over the world, which is amazing. And we have an issue coming out this Friday, actually. Um, So we're almost three years old, which is really exciting. Um, And since I kind of started this journey, I've written three poetry books. And I've, you know, become a college professor and... All of these things have kind of aligned that have allowed me to live a life that is increasingly um, flexible and creative. I love that. Well, one, Denver is an awesome place. And it I is. know so <laughs> many people in Denver. It's ridiculous. Like, I think I have at least 10 people that I know really well in Denver. I've had so many people from Denver on the podcast. It's like this crazy vortex of creative, fitness minded, very open-minded people. It's a pretty cool place. Exactly, you know, and that's kind of what drew me to it. And and it's so weird. You, When I go home, um, you know, back out east, I get off the airplane and I can tell immediately that there's like a vibe shift <laughs> in the air. Like people in Denver are so incredibly happy and motivated and excited. And as an artist, it's really nice to be around that. Totally true. I uh, I grew up in a military family, but a lot of our stations were on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm in Washington State, so way far away from and uh, very Denver-like in a sense, I think of the mindset, very beautiful um, landscape. And I go back and visit my parents on the East Coast. And I'm like, this is not this is not the best. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's a it's a rat a whole, race, you know? Like, yeah, it's a whole different feel. It really is. And uh as much as I, you know, I'm I spend a lot of time in Boston, I spend a lot of time in New York. Mm-hmm. And as much as I, you know, love those respective cities, I don't think yeah. I would ever want to live there just because uh I love the energy that's, you know, in this like, you know, Midwest, West Coast town. So it's pretty awesome. It is. It is amazing. Now you talked about creating kind of a space for your creativity. I think a lot of people out there are creative, but they're not necessarily willing to make the changes to have that space. Like like Mm -hmm. you were saying, how has that always been a thing for you? And like you said, your parents were not that thrilled with it. Was it just like a calling? You felt like I have to do this in order to get this out of me. I don't, you know, it's funny. I think there's so many reasons, there's so many things in life that tell us that we have to live a certain way. And mm-hmm. I think I've been pretty good about never subscribing to that idea. You know, yeah. I, I believe that I could like set my mind to anything and do it. And I think that, you know, especially, you know, my parents are, you know, just at the end of the baby boomer generation, you know, born in the mid sixties. And mm-hmm. I think there's kind of this mentality that comes with that generation that, is like, yeah, you like, you know, you go to college, you get married, you have kids, you probably work in the, at the same job or in the same industry for your entire career. And, you know, that worked out a lot for that generation successfully. You know, if we look at the economics of that, right, it, it you know, worked out for them. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what I wanted. And, you know, I saw it every day and I saw it, you know, in my parents and in, you know, the parents of my friends. And I just, 
you know, the thought of me going into the office every day, like that is not a life that I could ever live. And, you know, it was kind of, I don't know, I kind of felt like it was a do or die moment. And I know that that sounds really drastic, but I, I hate the idea of having to stay still. I think in many ways I'm constantly moving, whether that's like intellectually, I'm like trying to work my brain out intellectually or whether, you know, I'm chasing some creative pursuit or, you know, I'm physically traveling. Like I feel like I'm constantly moving forward and, you know, that's just something that I crave as a person. And I know that is not for everybody. Um, It would be crazy to think it was, but I think part of it was just there was this thing that I missed in my life. And that was like the ability to kind of sit down and create and learn and, you know, not be an expert at something and continue discovering. And I think now more than ever, you know, social media is this double-edged sword, but it's also something that like when I'm scrolling through and I see some artist who's, you know, pushing their style and creating new things that is so inspiring to me. And it makes me want to, you know, make the room in my life for that. So I think that in many ways we can now be inspired by each other, you know, more than this kind of like dreamy idea of like being an artist. There's this big romantic (laughs) notion, but I think now there are more people out there creating and it's giving kind of other people this permission to maybe explore something that they've always wanted to do. Do you think that I get what you're saying, especially about, but you think that maybe the, uh, the past um, view of people who are creatives were that they're just kind of like people who had no direction, uh, just were, you know, going after ideas that were more dreams and that had no real concrete foundation and that maybe now there's a different uh, viewpoint of that? Yeah, you know, and I, I think that's changing. I, I think what you said, though, hits the nail on the head. I mean, you know, my family never thought I was going to be able to like make money being a creative person. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that being said, you know, I have all these creative projects and starting the my freelance business five years ago got me into the world of marketing. So, you know, I work a full-time marketing job and I never would have gone into marketing, I don't think, if I hadn't kind of chased this creative side of myself. So I think that all of these new things open up and it's funny, I constantly have you know, family and friends reaching out to me and being like, okay, like what's your next project? Cause they know that I'm always up to something. <laughs> yeah. No, you, know, you sound but- like me. I'm very similar. I'm always working on projects and yeah. I've created a lifestyle where I had, a, I have a lot of space to yeah. be creative and do things. Cause I have a couple businesses I own and people go, how do you produce all these podcasts? It's like 200 plus in a year. I'm like, I just gave myself the time. To do yeah, it. that's true. It's funny what can happen when you start giving yourself permission. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's like, well, if you allow the space to happen, you hold space for it, mm-hmm. then you can create a lot of amazing, incredible things in your life. It's very true. And I think that's something that, you know, we take for granted. And, you know, even still, I I take it for granted, you know, having the amount of flexibility and time that I do. And I think, you know, there's so many things that can distract us. Uh, you know, I don't have kids, but I know a lot of creatives have kiddos that mm-hmm. they're trying to raise, especially right now when the world has gone crazy. And that is a huge distraction, you know, from any creative pursuit that you might have. And, you know, like I don't have that. So I know that like I automatically have more time. Um, so I always think to myself, like, what's my excuse? Um, 
you know, and, and at the same time, that's why I try to stay really busy. And I think that, you know, again, I'm, you know, today I am, you know, I'm working and then I'm, I'm grading some papers that my students wrote and they were all kind of like reflecting on, I made them combine informative and persuasive essays on a similar topic. Mm -hmm. So they had to remain unbiased in one part of the essay and then they got to, you know, pick a side and try and convince people on the other side of the essay and reading their reflections about what they learned about themselves as a writer and how they use tone and all these things was just so inspiring to me. And I just feel really lucky that I have lots of different sources of motivation in my life because I think otherwise it is really easy to sit back and get complacent. Most definitely. Do your students read your uh, poetry collections and your work? <laughs> Some of them do. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's funny. I've had students bring my books into class and have me sign them. It, <laughs> it cracks me up. <laughs> that must be interesting, huh? You know, um, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, for the first time the other day, I walked, um, you know, I walked in to grab a, a beer and this guy was like, I know you. And I was Ooh. like, what? And he was like, yeah, huh? I know you. You write poetry on Instagram. And I was like, damn, like it's it's pretty cool. It just like cracks me up every time though. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now with your poetry books, are these, do, do, I mean, do you have a publisher for it or you self-publish? How does that work for you for that? Um, I tend to self-publish and there are a few reasons that I do that. Uh, you know, the the poetry publishing industry is a, a complicated one. You know, publishing is complicated, but um, the poetry publication, com you know, it's just, it's kind of a mess. Mm. And there are a couple of companies that kind of have kind of, you know, cornered the market. Um, but that being said, when I was getting, when I had finished this collection and I was shopping it around to publishers, all of them wanted me to wait until after 2020 because they were saying, Rachel, you know, we really like this, but um, 2020 is the year of COVID and your book is just going to get lost in that. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, this book is really, I think, meant for a moment like this. Um, it's a book about self-discovery and asking questions of the universe. And I think for the last 10 months, we've all been sitting at home and asking these questions. Uh, so I kind of said, screw it. I'm publishing it anyway, <laughs> um, which, yeah, which I did, you know, and, and the feedback is great. You know, people are really, I think I had a lot of anxiety about releasing this collection because, mm. you know, I'm, I have big, big audiences on, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all that. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Um, but those platforms are pretty conducive to like short, concise work. And I would say that this collection definitely pushes my style in some new directions. Mm -hmm. I think it shows that I'm more than kind of like one type of poet. And, you know, I was nervous about that because, you know, I've been doing this for years and, and readers expect something from you. So I know that there's some feedback like, I was reading this and this is like complicated. And it's like, yes, poetry mm. can be complicated. Like yeah. not all of it is like three lines on Instagram, right? Um <laughs> Yeah, and it's true, you know, and, and a part of this collection was, you know, when I was writing it in my master's program, I, I mean, I was reading some of the greats, right, in poetry. Like you're mm -hmm. reading these American poets who, um, like there's an, an incredible tradition there. 
And I wanted this collection to honor tradition in some ways, but also kind of put my own style on it. And the the thing that I really take from that tradition is kind of this uh, respect of nature and the ability that nature can really, you know, shape who you are or shape your ideas. And so this this collection is really about like self-discovery with this backdrop of nature and and the mm. things that we can learn from it and the things that we can ask of the universe. And, you know, it's funny. I, I'm definitely getting people that are like, wow, I love this. I love this direction you're going in. And I'm definitely getting people who are like, wow, this is like way more complicated than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, you know, I expected that. So I can't say I'm surprised at all by it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of what you do when you, when you're any kind of writer, poet, fiction, nonfiction, you know, you put your stuff out into the universe and then it's not your job to tell people what to think about it. So all I can hope is that, uh, you know, people are reading it and enjoying it and, um, you know, maybe discovering some things about themselves. (laughs) I'm going to check it out. Actually, I was on Amazon not too long ago and I was kind of reading through it description and stuff. I'm like, this is like totally up my alley. Like I really am into like existential questioning of things and Mm -hmm. planets and nature, whole deal. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know. I there, and again, I think this kind of comes at the right time because we're all asking like, what is the universe doing right now? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a lot of time with ourselves (laughs) to think about these things. And, you know, I hope that too, you know, I'm, you know, I live in Colorado. I'm constantly kind of inspired by the things around me. And I think that uh, this collection definitely honors that as well. And I hope that anyone who kind of appreciates or spend time, spends time in nature can, can feel that when they're reading this. Um, It's definitely kind of caters to kind of the sensory observations that you may have when you're out there exploring the world. So what, when did you get the first idea of like what you wanted to name this collection of poems? Oh, you know, yeah, it's, the name is always tough, (laughs) right? Uh, It's like, okay, this is going to be the the first impression that people have of this collection of work and Mm -hmm. it's tough. And for a long time, I had no idea what I was going to name it. Um, I had a couple names that I was... Um, you know, spitting through. And then one day I was like, oh, okay. Like I wrote the kind of title poem. It's called, uh, the poem is titled War, but the ending line is at war with stars. And as soon as I wrote that, I was like, ah, like that. It's the kind of thing where like oftentimes, you know, we look to the universe to say like, is this fate? Like what is happening to me? Mm -hmm. Like, why is the world this way or why isn't it this way? And, you know, we ask ourselves these questions and I think a lot of times we kind of like look to the sky and like blame the concept of fate. So then I was like, okay, so like if you're at war with your stars or like at war with your destiny, that is a theme that I think has a lot to do with like self-discovery and confidence and and all these things. And the second that poem was finished. I was like, okay, this is what we're going to name it. (laughs) I love the name. Like, it's like incredibly amazing. Thank you. Yeah. At war with stars. I'm like, man, that's good. That's like really good. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, it's, I wanted people to see the title and be like, 
okay, like what? Like you can kind of get a sense what it's mm-hmm. about, I think, from the title. Like you know there's going to be some questions. You know it's probably going to be about the universe. You know it touches on the themes of nature. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like it really embodied the collection as a whole. You feel that people, uh, I mean, this is a broad generalization and probably not accurate, obviously, but in general, your point of view that people are at war with what's happening in their lives and in the universe and making sense of it all? Yeah, you know, I think that it comes and goes uh, at different points in people's lives. I think, you know, I'm I'm fairly youthful. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 29 years old and when I look back and think about all the times I was having like a crisis or was trying to figure something Mm -hmm. out that felt, you know, very profound to me, whether it was, you know, as a kid or as an adult, I think we all kind of feel like we're having this battle, whether it's like us against the universe or us against ourselves or, um, you know, us against another person. I think it often feels like this, like very, it feels like a crisis, you know? And I think we all, go through that at different points for different reasons. Um, But I think that feeling is something that we can all resonate with. I think so, for sure. I'm going to definitely get it. I'm going to be reading it because I'm I'm a big poetry lover. Yeah, (laughs) I will. No, I I stay connected with all the people that I chat with on my podcast. And uh, I'm certainly no poet like yourself, but I, when I was in my 20s, I self-published like three poetry books. Oh, and, I love uh, it. Back, and this was like back in the day, like there wasn't like Amazon publishing and all that. I'm 42 yeah. now. So I had to go through like some other publishing, um, self-publishing uh, sites and stuff like that. And I remember cool. just enjoy doing that. And then this year, 2020, I was like, I haven't written a poetry book in like 20 years. I'm going to start writing another one. And, Hell yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I was like, why not, you know, get back into it. You know, it's, I mean, I'm in the fitness business, but I, I like doing a lot of different things. You know, I like being creative. Yeah. You know, and, and I think like when I think of, there's a lot of poetry in our bodies, right. You know, the way that we move and treat ourselves and, you know, kind of connect Mm -hmm. to the earth, um, and, and what it provides to us. So I think that that sounds like a great opportunity to kind of reflect on all of that. Yeah, I I love philosophy and okay. understanding kind of where we're at in life. I'm you know, I'm titling it chapter three because I'm kind of in the third chapter of my life in certain ways. Okay. And anyways, I just I love creative people and I thought, oh man, this is gonna be awesome talking to like you do this. This is your thing, you know. Um and so I wonder where do you see yourself at twenty nine? How do you see your poetry maturing or changing? revolving as you continue to grow? You know, I think one of my main missions in a lot of things that I do is accessibility. You know, I think that, and and I talk about this kind of in the intro of, of At War With Stars, but, you know, poetry wasn't trendy until Instagram, you know? Mm. And, and, you know, at least for this generation of people, it was like poetry was this like archaic thing that you had to read in English <laughs> class when you were a freshman and you didn't understand half of it and it was stupid, right? I think that's the experience that so many people have yes. with poetry. 
And then there was social media and people started like sharing quotes and tidbits and, you know, all of the, and it started happening on other platforms. You know, it was hap- happening on Tumblr. It was happening on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there are some like universal truths that I think a lot of people can get behind in terms of, you know, reading, whether it's like quotes or insights or tidbits or poetry, you know, they can all kind of come by the same name. And, you know, poetry became trendy. And I, my goal is to show people that, you know, poetry is kind of everywhere. And I think too that a lot of music is poetry. And I think that's why I originally got into poetry because I was so obsessed with music and lyrics. And like when words would just hit me so hard, I'd be like, damn, you know, like you're a teenager and you feel all these things and someone like said it perfectly right there. And, and I'm, I'm trying to, I want to find ways for all of these things to cross over just so that more people understand and know that poetry isn't just what they might have experienced in English class. It definitely is that. Um, and we can learn so much from the people who have come before us. And there's a lot of, there's, I mean, there are some amazing poets out there. And, you know, I think that they get disregarded because they're seen as like old, right? Or ancient, whatever that means, <laughs> right? But I think there's yeah. so much to be learned. And I just want to show people who say like, uh, poetry? Like I want to be able to convince those people that something is poetry or to see writing in a new way. So I think no matter what my collections in the future look like, it's a lot of it is going to be focused on kind of that crossover. Do you think there's a sense of like, do people think that the poetry has to be written kind of this old English style thing versus oh, yeah. c- can you break the rules and just be in a sense of what you feel it should be? It doesn't have to adhere to a certain, you know, um, regulations, if you will, to it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we used to think that, you know, we used to think sometimes we, people still think there's still people out there, um, believe that poetry has to adhere to these like old forms and you know the old forms are great and I love playing with them I love the work that comes out of them but uh, poetry is so much more than that now and I think you know showing everyone the wide net that poetry can be you know it's it's good for the art it's good for the medium the genre Um, I think it's good for for in a world where we're constantly trying to separate ourselves from each other to find places where we connect. And I think the, the more that we can show that poetry is this kind of like accessible forum that anyone can do, like anyone can write a poem. And yeah. I tell my students that all the time. I'm like, anyone can be a poet. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm <laughs> like, yeah. And I like throw up a word on the board and I go, okay, write me a, a 10 word story. And you have to put yeah. that word in it. And they do it. And then they're like, damn, that was kind of fun. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. You're like the yeah, cool, you're like the cool teacher. You're like, you're you know like what? A- <laughs> um, I try to be the cool teacher. And you know, I you know, I everyone told me that I was like wasting my money on becoming an English major. Mm-hmm. And I tell all of my students, like, my goal is to convince you to at least consider being an English major because there's so many things you can do with it. I think it teaches, you know, analytical reading and writing, which are skills that are so important, teaches communication, which is something that a lot of people lack. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I try to make it fun. You know, I want 
students to be able to interact with work or writing or, you know, poetry in ways that they never have before. Uh, so for me, it's like, if I have a student, I mean, I've had so many students be like, this was the funnest English class I've ever taken. And I was like, well, but, but like, why though? You know, why did you have to be in your 20 somethings before you had a fun English class? Yeah. You know, that's something that I would like to change as well. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, well, you're probably breaking, you know, kind of the stereotype or the will be c- considered the typical maybe English professor or teacher. You know, you know? I try. I mean, I try to do that, you know, and it's funny. I always like at the beginning of the semester, I show up in like a suit and, you know, I do the whole thing. Yeah. And then by like week six, I like come in rocking a band t-shirt and, you know, my tattoos are out and they're like, what the heck? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, welcome to the party, kids. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I try to just like share with them that. I've lived like a pretty unconventional life in terms of my professional career and like they can do that too. And I think that having those conversations is really important because again, everyone thinks that they have to, you know, work the nine to five and you know, whatever. But I tell them, you know, like I could be on an Island and as long as I have Wi-Fi, I can make mm-hmm. money. Um, yeah. And when I tell them that they're like, damn, that sounds pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's <Duh>. great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I think it's you you've been fed certain information in your life, but it doesn't mean that it's actually like true for all people for that. And I think we're seeing a shift in that and that there are other options. It doesn't mean that those past things weren't good, but that life evolves and technology changes and you know, there are different options. Yeah, yeah, there really are. And I think that you know, it it's kind of great. I think um Something that I always look back on is, you know, I went to this pretty like stringent Catholic school for 12 years in Cleveland and I got a fabulous education there. Um, I was like more than prepared for college and it was great, but um, they had these kind of like tenets of learning and I'm not a really like religious person, but they had this thing that... um, it's like one of the things that we hope you are when you leave here is that you're a lifelong learner. And I think that that's something that is so important is that no matter how old you get, you can continue to learn new skills and do new things. And it doesn't, you don't, it doesn't matter if you're an expert. It doesn't matter if you ever make money from it. It doesn't matter as long as you're getting enjoyment out of it. And I think that, you know, that's something that's so important too, is we, you know, kind of look to an uncertain future for so many reasons, right? And as we try to teach new generations about what the world looks like or could look like, it's so important that we recognize that learning is something that should never just stop. Yeah, most definitely. I, I think you have to continue to push yourself. I mean, it's it's very easy to kind of get into this sludge as you get older. I mean, now that I don't experience that because I, I feel similar to you, like I just keep pushing the next project what do I want to do to keep my mind fresh, my body fresh? How do I stay creative? But I, I know I've known so many people in my life that it's kind of this, this natural shrinking of their life as they get older. It's like, well, this is just what happens when you get this age or that age. And I was like, no, no, no. You, that's what yeah. you believe people are telling you. That doesn't mean that's the way it has to be. You know. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think that as humans, we find ways to always push the envelope, like good or bad. <laughs> right. Oh, most and definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I think that 
we have a really unique opportunity to kind of change the, you know, shift the paradigm. Like, let's talk about how, you know, we're like taking, you know, taking care of our minds and bodies and how we can do that. And how, when you get to a certain age, you don't just have to like sit down (laughs) and like be still for the rest of your life. Like, you know, I think there are certain things that we've gotten really used to in in our society. And I think that, you know, inevitably it's kind of been harmful for, for many reasons. And, you know, I'm eager to see like what the young people do, especially who are, you know, they're heading into college now or they're in high school now, you know, in 10 years, I think politics is going to look really different. You know, I I think our concept of like health is going to be very different. I think we're going to be talking about alternative energy much more than we already do. You know, I think that, you know, there's something that, you know, young people are excited right now and I'm really excited to watch that unfold. Most definitely. I, I think that's really important to put out there. I, I do think we're kind of in a this paradigm shift. It may not seem that way to some people currently, but I think over the next couple of decades, you're going to see kind of this weird intersection between massive technological advancement and mind expansion for people yeah. at the same time, which is strange in some way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is because I think the the more tech that there is, right, it seems like we're more reliant on it, which, you know, is true. But that being said, um, you know, I think it comes back to accessibility. You know, you can learn anything on the internet. Like I learned how to like do my own plumbing on YouTube. Like that's a perfect <laughs> example. <laughs> you know, like there are so many things that are available to us now that we're not, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And, um, you know, a few decades from now, I think it's going to look crazy and it's going to be really interesting to watch how, um, I think particularly the older generations who have kind of refused to adopt some of these new, Mm -hmm. um, ideas or habits that people have. Um, I think it's going to be like a really interesting conversation that we're going to be having. Most definitely. I identify with that. The YouTube things. I fixed my lawnmower using a YouTube (laughs) like video. It's real. And I'm like, what am I doing? It's so <laughs> like, this real. is crazy. Yeah, you're like, who am I to do this? Like, uh, the other day I uh, had to put new headlights on a car just because they'd gotten mm-hmm. so old and they were really foggy. And like, I took my laptop out to the car, <laughs> and opened the hood, and like was unscrewing all these things. And yeah. I was like, oh God, what am I doing? Like, what's happening here? Like, you know, but it works out. You can learn how to do anything on YouTube. I tell everyone that. <laughs> how do you, um, it's true. How do you, you talked about that. I want to go back to the double-edged sword of social media. How do you navigate that? You know, um, it's so funny. Uh, you know, f- six years ago, if you would have Googled me, all of my sports stats from college would have popped up. <laughs> and... I learned to kind of harness the energy or the the power of the internet um, just because I started getting into marketing and learning about SEO and all these things. And, and now, you know, it's definitely, there are platforms out there that I take full advantage of. I think mostly it's all about balance. And, you know, I try to like interact with, interact with a lot of other writers and creatives on social media and people find me and read my stuff. And sometimes they'll reach out to me. Um, I had a gentleman reach out to me. Let me see what he said. I'm actually going to look it up right now. Yeah, totally. Because it was so 
It's just really touching. I love, you know, I always try to respond to people that kind of like slide into my DMs and have something to say mm-hmm. about writing or, you know, something about that. Cause I figure, yeah. you know, if you're reading my work and then reaching out to me, like it probably resonated with you and I want to cultivate those people. But this is what he said. Of he said, I just got at war with stars. I wanted to let you know that I'm enjoying re- reading through it. Your work is very intricate. So much said with such small phrases. And releasing art into the world this year is a gift. It's a freaking superpower. Thank you so much. And I was just like, you know, like that, like I wouldn't have interactions like that if I didn't like share my art on social media. Um, and, you know, it's... I feel like really, really lucky to have that as a creative person. Um, you know, on the other hand, I know that things can get toxic online and I just try to like, you know, I'm just there to share my art and have conversations with people and, you know, I'm not, I don't want to get bogged down by it. I don't also want it to be like my life. You know, there are people who are like those influencers who, you know, make money on social media, like, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine a more stressful job. (laughs) You know, like that's, that's a hard way to live. Um, And, you know, as much as I love hearing like great comments about my work, I try not to seek validation um, from the internet just because I don't know, I have to like trust and have faith in my own processes and not be validated by others. So I think too, though, like that's a learned habit. You know, I think we all have to like check ourselves sometimes. And luckily, um, I have friends and family that are just like really grounded people. And I credit them a lot with kind of like helping me stay centered. Um, Because otherwise, I would probably be working like all the time because I just love being busy. And it sounds like you're that way too. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, you know what I've done? Like, I've really like, I've really set like parameters with that. So, like, to have like, days where I do nothing. Even now as like my podcast, I produce so much content. I'm really trying to like condense it into a few days and a week so that I have like huge swaths of time where I could just do whatever I want pretty regularly. Yeah. You know, uh, that's so nice. And that's something that I feel like I'm just starting to really get a handle on. Like over the weekends, I am now finally unplugging. Like I feel like I'm now finally in a place where I can like really like not touch my computer for 48 hours. And that's, it's like so nice. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's a work in progress. Like yesterday I did that. I, I think I touched my phone like twice the entire day and uh, and it was great, but I think you have to like build that into your life. You got to really tinker with it and figure out what's the right rhythm for me for that. You know? Yeah. You know, and I think too, for a while, for me, it was such a hustle um, because, you know, I was running my own business for mm-hmm. a really long time and, and, you know, it was, you know, you're keeping and cultivating clients and making sure everyone's happy and, you know, they could go with an agency and, you know, all these things. So I think for a while I was like so worried about so many things just because I felt like for my livelihood to work, I had to, you know, put in so much effort Yeah, and I feel like I still put in the same amount of effort, but now I have like a little bit more balance just because I have mm-hmm. it kind of under my belt. Um, you know, the marketing company I work with here in Denver is great. Um, and you know, I have a couple of side hustles that I really get to enjoy, you know, when I want to. And, and I finally feel like I'm in that spot where I can like take a breath and enjoy some of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I appreciate you giving me some of your valuable time to come and chat with me. You know, it's just a conversation and, and um, you know, about being creative. And I really appreciate your time, Rachel. No, yeah. Likewise, Darian. I feel like it's so nice to – I'm always so refreshed and energized to have conversations with people who I think are kind of in this space as a creative entrepreneur. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes that – you know, the world doesn't see. So I appreciate your hustle and um, thank you so much for having me today. It's been really nice. You definitely, uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, we will definitely be in touch. Yeah, yes, please. And um, when you when you get your copy of At War With Stars, let me know because um, I would love to uh, chat with you about it. I'm getting it like right after this. Actually, when we stop, um, you have to stay on just for a second here just to let it load. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll tell you a little bit about that after that. Sounds good. All right. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut or The Dose of News Useful Today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine, and when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences, and it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So, get the donut. Stay informed. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit thedonut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.